0: Morning. This is like a Star Trek thing. Look at that. This is a good-looking group. Morning. Some people are in ties. I like that. And dresses. Some people are in shorts. Noah, thanks for that. We get the whole spectrum of, of dress and people. And I, it was a little daunting preparing a lesson on fellowship. I think I went through like 10 different like modes or slide sets. I got Austin the slides this morning so that, and I was finishing them up late last night, and why I was so daunted on this, I have no idea why. I'm not sure. Maybe because it's important, because I want to make sure that we're we're thinking about this correctly. But then I started thinking, what is correctly? So I've got a bunch of slides. I will go through them. This is kind of my lesson. I'm a little scattered. That's how I teach. Um, I'm a a biblical counselor by trade, so I I run a biblical counseling ministry in town. And my kind of discipleship or uh, even evangelism is like two-hour evangelism with one person. So I'm not like a street evangelist where I go out and hit it a bunch. I want to dig into people's stories and lives and things like that. And I guess that's probably influencing my take on fellowship somewhat as well. So um, we'll have a time for for questions, comments, discussion at the end of it. I, I went back and forth if I should like provide table things. I just decided, let's do it as a group. So if you're shy, then we're just going to be sitting here standing or standing here looking at each other and not saying anything. If you've got questions during the time that we're going through everything, I encourage you to write them down so that we'll have a time at the end to kind of walk through those things and practice a little bit of fellowship as we talk about and discuss things. So we'll jump in. It works. All right. How does, you know what, my animations aren't working at all on there. None of them are working. This is going to be so anticlimactic. Oh well, we'll just deal with it. Okay, so the question is, how does God reveal himself to us? And it was going to be all dramatic with the word words coming up first, so you see that, right? But then I heard a speaker a long time ago say that words don't necessarily change the world, but sentences do. It was kind of profound and deep at the same time. Sentences change the world. If, if somebody says to you, will you marry me? Will that change your life? It could. It could. It's possible. It changed mine when I asked my wife that question. Uh, but, you know, God reveals himself to us in messages. Uh, I like talking about the gospel because technically it's the good message of Christ, not necessarily the good news of Christ, but it's a message that we are... Given, and then we receive, and then we believe, and then we follow. Information, communication. God is revealing himself to us in very simple ways, isn't he? Through these communication means that we are able to do. And one of those ways is through communication with one another. Fellowship. Right? Right? I joked with Austin when I was preparing this lesson that I was just going to go through that English word, what is a fellow, what is a ship, and how to do that. He thought I was serious, I think for a half second, but... All right, so what do you think of when you consider the concept of fellowship? This is interactive, so I need your, your comments. I put a few up there, togetherness, true fellowship, social gatherings, discussion. What do you think of? What's the, one of the first things you think of when... We talk about the biblical concept of fellowship. I think you're going to church, on Sunday. church on Sunday. Let me flesh that out a little bit with you, if I could. What What about church on Sunday connects with fellowship? Well, we, we can discuss the sermon afterwards. And pray for each other and that kind of... So, communication with other people you're talking about. Okay, what else? Encouraging one another. Yeah. Encouragement, you know, you come in and you you say something specific to somebody about their life. Is that encouraging to you? Anytime I, I preach or anytime I hear somebody preach, I try to make it a habit if I have contact with them to give them specific feedback about what they preached about. Now, I'll give you a little insight. No pastor likes for you to come up to them and say, hey, nice sermon, They just spent like 40 hours on this one little 40-minute, 30-minute preaching. And you came up and said, nice job, right? And then it's kind of like, well, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? They have all these thoughts going through their heads. So try to encourage a preacher by going up and saying, hey, that one point you made right there, that really impacted me. It's going to make me think about this, this, this. And then you go on from there. Specifics that's encouraging to them. Wouldn't it be encouraging to you for somebody to come up and say something very specific about your life? Hey, when you told me that prayer request and I prayed about it, what, how did that come out? What happened with that? That's specifics that you get encouraged by, right? So elements like prayer, confession, teaching, are those part of fellowship? I mean, fellowship's a really big word, right? You said it about 14 times in the announcements this morning, right? Camping fellowship. That's like intense fellowship, isn't it? (laughs) That's like bad breath fellowship in the morning. That's campfire talks where you have to get deep for some reason when you're looking at a fire. I don't know why, but you do. You just look at a fire. You don't have to make eye contact. Everybody's just staring at the fire and you're just talking about deep things or not deep things. It could be. So I have to do this, right? There's an obligatory Greek lesson that we have to do in this because most of the time the term in the New Testament that's translated as fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Have you heard of this term before? Now, I know a lot of you or I know the families you come from and you've been here for a long time and you've heard this term, right? Koinonia, Strong's G2844, now, if you have blue-letter Bible like I do, and you click the little, little speaker thing, it almost says it in that same thing. I'm hearing that guy's voice when he says it. Strong's G, 2844. Fellowship, association, community, communion, joint, participation, intercourse. That's interesting. The share which one has in anything, participation, intercourse, fellowship, intimacy, the right hand as a sign, and pledge of fellowship. This is really boring, isn't it? Isn't it boring? I mean, I guess you could, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution, any kind of dictionary definition of something is rather boring. It doesn't get to the heart of what we're talking about. I want to do that. So there's some aspects of fellowship that we need to have kind of a clear view on. And the first one is, is a different one. It's, it's this. First Corinthians one nine. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in this in this verse, what does fellowship mean? It's salvation and relationship. Yeah, it's it's connected to a person. It's not just a let's get together and have a s'more. It's a fellowship of his son. So that's a, a deeper level, I guess, of fellowship. It's fellowship with God is what we're looking at. Now, this is, this is the first aspect of fellowship. John 3, John, I'm sorry, 1 John 1, 3-4, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John is writing beautiful letters to the church. They're not technical letters. They're not instruction manual letters. His purpose here is that he wants our joy to be complete. Now, what is joy? We'll have to Jump from fellowship. Give me more definitions. What is joy? I've been a teacher for a long time. I don't care about silence. I like it. It means people are thinking. So go ahead. Joy. Um, I would say it's a happiness that can be found to fullness only in Christ. Okay. You went the deeper route, all the way to Christ. And it's true. It's, it's happiness, good feeling, it links up to what we want, right? Desire. Did you have something there too? Somebody else had a hand raised. She she smacked your arm. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. We'll we'll cut to you next. <laughs> we'll say it again. Happiness without worry. That's good too. We we have this sense of it's a desire that we want of something. Good. Is that what you were going to say, Dave? No. Okay. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, regardless of circumstance. Right. Right. It's ultimately, it's what every one of us wants. Now, I'm a I'm a counselor, so I like to get into the you know the question why. Why did you do that? Why do you think about those things? Why do you? act this way? Why did your life revolve around that? Why did that decision happen the way it did? And all the whys, if you want to boil them down, come to, I want joy. I want this feeling of joy and satisfaction and contentment and happiness, so I'm going to seek after those things and we do that all the time in very good ways, right? What are you going to eat today for lunch? Anybody know yet? Nobody's planned this out yet. There's no, like, thought in your mind. Now you're thinking about it, though. Right? Now you're thinking about, I'm going to have a panini, or I'm going to have this pizza, or I'm going to have this thing, like that. And why do you pick the food you do? Because you want joy. Right? You want the perfect bite. You want this, this culinary experience. We all want that thing, and we're all searching for it, and we'll pay for it. So we go for it. And, it's, and you don't go for other things like, I don't know, what's, what's something that's bad that you don't like? Broccoli. Broccoli. <laughs> broccoli. Raw broccoli, maybe. I don't know. Bitter herbs. Bitter herbs. Kale. I mean, it's all green things, isn't it? Now, so I've, I've joked with people before, you know, when I first started drinking coffee, I just wanted it to taste like coffee ice cream. So I would just load it with stuff, right? Because... <laughs> That's what coffee should taste like, right? I'm, I'm older now, and it just changes. I got water. You going to throw it to me? I think that would be… Okay. So joy, I think, is good. He's doing this. John is writing this letter as a letter because he wants us to experience joy, and he wants that to be complete. That's what you were talking about. But the, re- the way we get there is he says, well, we have fellowship. With us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father. This, this community, this communing with him, this relationship, this partnership, all those things in the definition of fellowship, he's saying we have it with the Father. Now that's an interesting concept. We'll, we'll get there in a moment, talking about a little bit more. So here's a very small letters on this screen. Can you read it there? I'll read it for you. C.S. Lewis. You've heard of him, right? He wrote, perhaps, and this is, he's talking about glory, but I think it transitions over to fellowship well. Perhaps it seems crude to describe glory as the fact of being noticed by God. But this is almost the language of the New Testament. St. Paul promises to those who love God not as we should expect that they will know him, but they will be known by him. That's 1 Corinthians 8.3. It is a strange promise. Does not God know all things at all times? But it is dreadfully re-echoed in another passage in the New Testament where we are warned that it may happen to any one of us to appear at the last before the face of God and hear only the appalling words, I never knew you, depart from me. In some sense, as dark to the intellect as it is, unendurable to the feelings, We can be both banished from the presence of him who is present everywhere and erased from the knowledge of him who knows all. We can be left utterly and absolutely outside, repelled, exiled, estranged, finally and unspeakably ignored. That's the bad news. On the other hand, we can be called in, welcomed, received, acknowledged. I think that It drove me, when I was reading that book, The Weight of Glory, to an understanding of God's fellowship with us. He welcomes us. He receives us. He acknowledges us. He knows us. He knows our name. That's that's fellowship, isn't it? He said at the camping trip, if you're not going to stay with us that night, what can you do? Can you come join You were welcomed in. Come hang out at the beach. Come join our group. That was an invitation. You do it all the time. We do it just everywhere around this church. Hey, do you want to have lunch? Hey, do you want to have dinner? Let's come over to my house, welcome them in. I I want to walk up. I'm not brave enough to do this, but anybody who has a welcome mat in front of their house, I want to walk up and just knock on the door and walk in. (laughs) And they'd look at you really strange, and I said... You put it right there. You welcomed me in. The whole world, right? Anybody that welcome Matt now is like gonna flip them over when you get home. <laughs> but that word means something, right? It, it was it was commonplace, you know, way back, hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago, to call on people, not on the phone, not on any device, but to walk up to their home and knock on the door and walk in and have a cup of coffee or some other thing that you wanted to share with them if you're inviting somebody into your home. That's, that's the intrinsic and joyful idea of fellowship. And here it's just this concept that C.S. Lewis brings out. It's, it's being welcomed. It's a beautiful idea. The opposite is terrifying. It's appalling. It's unspeakable. Depart, I've, I never knew you. We don't want that from God. So fellowship with God, how are we supposed to relate to God? Now, don't read that verse yet. Seriously, don't look at it. Don't look. How are we supposed to relate to God? What, what does he tell us to do to relate to him? The word supposed to is really kind of its an impactful word. What do you think? Time Him. Time how? Okay? Read his communication to us, right? That's how we're supposed to relate to him. That's really the only way we can, if we want to know him. Right? How else? We're supposed to relate to him. Yeah. Once you hear those words and read those words, then you follow those words, those instructions, those guidances, those those encouragements. You... You take them to heart and you listen to them and you obey them, right? If they're commands or guidances or just wise teachings, you say, I'm going to put that into practice. It's like if you're in school, going into school, in college, and your professor says those famous words, you're going to want to write this down. What does that mean? You're going to want to write it down. You're going to want to know that if you didn't listen to anything else in my lesson, listen to this. You know that's going to be on the test later on, right? So you follow that instruction. You're like, oh, I've been spaced out the whole time, and now I'm going to write that one down because I know it's coming later on. I've heard that thousands of times. I don't think I remember any one of them now. Maybe in seminary I do. So Mark 12, 29-30, Jesus answered And they were asking him, again, what is the greatest commandment? The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's how God has told us to relate to him, right? Now, can you wiggle out of that love anywhere? All your heart. All your soul, all your mind, all your strength, everything you are. that's he' saying, "I want it all." That's how we're called to relate to him. What about with other people? Well, he continues that verse. The second is this: "You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. There is no other commandments greater than these." Now I, I look at that, and it seems very simple. Doesn't it? How are we supposed to fellowship with other people? Well, fellowship with God, first, he's saying, Love me. But the fellowship that God gives depends on him, not necessarily on us. He has welcomed us in, he has drawn us close to himself. He is the one who's initiated that relationship, right? What about with other people? Well, love your neighbor right? You've heard that? Love God, love your neighbor. The vertical and the horizontal, you've heard all the the things about it, but how does he tell you to love your neighbor? Say it loud. As As yourself. Now, wait, what does that mean? We're getting into dangerous territory, right? How do you love yourself? What are some ways you love yourself? Yeah, we have instinctive nature of protection, right? If a ball's flying at your head, I was waiting for it at the Growlers game last night. We were out in left field. I was waiting for that home. Nobody had hit a home run to us. Nobody. It's waiting for it. My kids had their gloves on. They're ready, right? And I was in dad protection mode. Like if this thing's gonna come whizzing at my child's head, I'll do the you know the the YouTube dad thing where he catches it in his hand barehanded. It's waiting for that wonderful protection mode. But I'm thinking. You know, I would, I would do that. One of my friends there got hit by a foul ball, right? Foul ball right in his rib cage. He was over getting food, didn't see it coming. Turned around, bam! <laughs> he protected everyone else there by just taking the hit, right? But we we protect ourselves instinctively by, by doing those things, by catching things that are heading toward us. How else do we love ourselves? I'm afraid to flesh that out a little bit. How? Well, How do you gratify yourself? We do the things that we want to do. Yeah. We seek out our own enjoyment. Right. You, you, you have soft furniture at home, right? You don't just have, like, plastic benches in your family room. Why? Because we want to sit down and be comfortable. There's padded chairs in here. You know, we, we want to eat good food. I already mentioned that. I think I'm making myself hungry. Um <laughs> We wanna drive easier paths and we look it up on our phones to do such things. We got to, there's there's just a myriad of ways that we love ourselves. Anybody look at a mirror this morning? I'm not gonna go further than that. Dave may not have, but I. yeah, we, we, we just we care for ourselves in so many different ways. And and God doesn't say that's bad. It's not selfishness. It's it's a teaching tool is what he's doing here. He's saying, okay, you know how you love yourself. There's your model. Love other people that way. Care for them that way. Protect them that way. That's what Jesus just said was part of the greatest commandments. It's, It's the whole Ten Commandments wrapped up into two. Love God, love others. And we have a model for that. Just love them as you love you. Pretty easy. If you're hungry, feed somebody else. If you're thirsty, give them water. That's other passages that may be coming to mind then. So fellowship with others is part of this too. We have this fellowship with God that God initiates and he's the one who draws us in, and now we have the opportunity to love other people by doing the same thing he did, drawing them in, welcoming them in. This is what fellowship then fleshes out to be. So, how are we supposed to relate to other believers then? That, that others there was everybody on the planet, not just others who believe like I do. It's everybody. Love others, neighbors. What about believers? How are we supposed to relate to them? Building each other up? Yeah. How do we do that, everybody? How, how do we build other people up? Know what they like, what they don't like. Get to know who they are. Small talk, right? Don't you love small talk? Is everybody who loves small talk? I love small talk. You have to do it, right? You walk up to somebody, say, hi, my name is, that's small talk, isn't it? What do you do? That comes up later on, right? That's an uncomfortable question because sometimes if you're like, I don't have a job, I don't do anything, I'm just like, then you gotta come up with some creative thing like writing a resume on the spot all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know how to sell myself in this situation. It's stressful. But there's, that's why small talk is stressful to people, right? But, but what you're doing is you're establishing fellowship. You're establishing relationship. You're establishing things that that connect you. You can do it, really. you know, nice shirt. Where did you get that? Oh, I shopped there too. Fellowship, right there. Small talk fellowship, but it's fellowship nonetheless, right? So one of the ways that Paul tells us to fellowship is in Romans 12. In this section of Romans, if you know the book of Romans, is the, the application section, if you will. The first 11 chapters of Romans are instruction about doctrine, about who God is and who you are and what the status is between you. No, no major commands of what you should do with that knowledge. Just this is the way it is. Now jumps into chapter 12 and he starts telling us because of all that, because of you know who God is and who you are and what he's done for you, now we get into the instruction time. And this is what he says in Romans 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So here's another aspect of fellowship that we just jumped into. Humility. How many times do you like to go up to somebody and they just start talking about themselves for 20 minutes? and their accomplishments, is that fellowship. Perhaps not, it's not community, it's not care, it's not connection or partnership. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So there's an ought in there. So you're gonna have to flesh out what that means. Where is the balance between thinking of yourself, which I talked about loving yourself, and ought to think too much. Think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We're not going to flesh all this out because Paul is deep, so we're, we, that's a whole other lesson. Verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do, all, do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individu- individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in portion to your faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, you don't have to, this isn't a, you know, Strength builders test of where you're trying to find your your thing or an Enneagram something. I'm I'm verse six, I'm not verse seven. No, he's just trying to give us an overview that there's going to be different gifts with different people. And guess what? We're all different in here. In so many ways. But what he's doing is he's saying, but you have to understand you're you're members of something, you're connected. Right? He, he uses a, a body metaphor. Right? So if I was teaching this to little kids, I'd have them stand up and say, touch your head, now touch your knee, heads and knee, shoulders, knees, and toes, and we can do all these things, right? Why is your head on top? We have a body. It's designed this way. We believe that, right? This just didn't come together by chance and this, this was formed and shaped and molded exactly in this form we call humanoid, right? Why is your head on top? Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the center of all functionality, right? But God could have put it on your hip, couldn't he? That'd be weird. Everything would be different then, Right? All of our tables, chairs, everything would be all different if our head was down here. Right? Everything is in response to this humanoid shape. You're sitting in chairs that mimic the way we look. So God designed it this way. There has to be some kind of purpose. Right? And he said, you're a member of a body. He's trying to get us an understanding of what he's talking about. And he gave us a ready made metaphor for this our head is on top because he wants us to understand scripture understand God created everything and knew what he was doing and he created it specifically so that we would understand scripture he gives us all kinds of metaphors to do this birds and flowers so that we won't worry light and dark so we will understand the difference between what God is projecting himself as light of the world And don't be in darkness. Don't be blind to the things that he's exhorting us to do or not do. So the body means he puts the head on top because he said Christ is the head of his church. And that verse doesn't make any sense unless your head is on top of your body. And we are his members. What do we do? Well, for as in one body we have many members... And the members do not have all the same function, just like on your body. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We are connected this way. If you cut your hand, what happens? How does the rest of your body get involved? Your other hand gets involved, right? Stop the bleeding right away. Does your heart get involved? Without even realizing it, your heart gets involved. Do your feet get involved? Where are the band-aids, right? <laughs> right? It, does your, do your sweat glands get involved? If it's deep enough cut, yeah, they might. So your whole body gets affected by this little cut, a paper cut. And all of a sudden you're like, does your vocal cords get involved? And your diaphragm and your lungs get involved? Yeah. We're one body with many members, and we have different functionality for that. That is what God is calling, and Paul is pointing out, is this fellowship that we have together as believers. One part of the body hurts, we all hurt. That was the prayer requests around the tables, right? We have members of our body in Papua New Guinea. We have members in our body in Antigua. We've got members of our body in Ukraine. We've got members of our body in South America. We've got members of our body all over the globe. We don't feel, in the neurological sense, what is going on with them, but when we hear about what's going on, we can feel, we can pray, we can cry out to God for their protection but more so for his glory through what's going to happen with them. That's, you know, it's a big body, right? I don't know how many members there are in it. I don't think any of us do. Okay, so we connect this now. What time do we have till, Austin? Uh, to six, so... <laughs> Good plan. Good plan. Okay, um, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but on the goat and the goats on his left then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father see that inviting that welcoming in a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you and when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will answer them truly I say to you as you did to one of the least of these my brothers you did it to me do you see the connection of fellowship between fellowship with God and fellowship with other people there God has called us in. He's welcomed us. He's invited us. He said, "You're my people. I have chosen you, and I've put you on the right over here." And we didn't even realize what was happening because, in this teaching that Jesus is giving, they were doing these things normally to people who needed it. This was this was very tactile, on the ground ministry right? We have people from this church and several other churches in the area that go visit prisoners in jail. They, they feed the hungry. They give clothes. They help the sick. Those aren't fun things, right? That's not, that wasn't on our joy list, was it? When we were talking about joy? None of those things were on there. But those things actually lead to that deeper joy we we're talking about. Why? Because God has flipped the script now. He said, when you did those things to those people, you were actually doing it for me. It was, he was pointing out that the, the fellowship with God leads to fellowship with other people. It prompts us to, to go and serve and help and find joy in those things. And it doesn't make any sense, does it? It's like eating kale or broccoli sometimes. But what does kale or broccoli do to your body? Horrible things. things. (laughs) Turns into, you know, caramel sauce inside and just eats away at your... No, it helps you. That's why your parents, when you were this little, said, eat your salad, eat your greens... Why? Because they knew. And we all know those things are good. We know the things that are good for us, and we know the things that are going to help other people as well. And God calls us into that, and then all of a sudden it switches in us. We have a desire to do that. We have a desire to talk to one another and to connect with one another and help one another and give to one another and be generous. I mean, it was talking about those who give in your generosity. If that's what God is calling the body to be, then give. If you have a little bit of money, give a little bit of money. If you have a lot of money, give a lot of money. If you have some time, give time. If you have prayer, give prayer. If you have encouraging words, if you have zeal, if you have leadership, you have give it. Give it away. Okay, I need some help on these things. We'll kind of sh- go through these verses quick. So, the outcomes of our fellowship fellowship with Christ equals a status change so somebody grab for me 1 Corinthians 15:22 one verse who's got it read it loud and slow when you do have it When we're connected in fellowship to Christ, our status changes. From death to life. Now, we understand what death is. We understand what life is, right? Because we live in these physical bodies and we have been to funerals. I've been to many in this room. So we understand that in Adam, all die, but in Christ, our status changes. That's Him drawing us to Himself in fellowship and community, and togetherness, and partnership. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Who's got that? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is gone. Right? Do you understand what old and new mean? How many TVs have you had in your lifetime? The technology changes about every six months now, so it's like we got to change, and there's old ones and there's new ones. How many phones have you had? We've got like a phone graveyard in one drawer of our house. There's like six or seven or eight or ten. I don't know how many are in there. But there's these old phones. that There's a flip one I used to love. It was beautiful. It fit my ear perfectly. Yeah. Old things, new things. He's saying the old is gone. You're a new creation. Right? Created new. That's the status change when God calls us into fellowship with himself. Galatians 3.26 Sons, and I put daughters up there because he's talking about the same thing. This is, a, this is a child status, right? Who here is part of a family? You know what this means. That it's parent-child relationships, even if they get strained, you can't change them. You can't change the status of them. It's like, I have parents, and they've always been my parents, and I don't know anything else. And he's saying, there's a richness of this teaching about what sons get in first century world. The inheritance, this idea, the status of being a child of somebody else. Now, you know, have you ever been called, oh, you're the daughter of so-and-so, right? You're the son of, of Bill, or Tom, right? Do you like that sometimes? You're like, I want to be on my own. I want to be, and I did for a long time, and then my kids started getting called, oh, you're Bert's son, you're Bert's daughter. And now they're kind of branching out, and they've got, and now I've been called, you know, Anthony's dad. <laughs> like, oh, I like that one. My name's not in it anymore. I kind of like that. But the connection is always going to be there. So that's what he's doing. He's saying our fellowship with God means there's a status there that we really can't revoke. We can't change. Okay, Ephesians 2, 11 through 16. there was a dividing wall of hostility, God was saying in this passage. And he broke down that dividing wall and brought us near to him. It's like you were trapped in a cave and there was a collapse and he broke through this dividing wall and pulled you out. That's the status change of being near to God. He's welcomed you in. So we may not have time to go through all these, but let us hit... Let's hit Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. This is our fellowship with others. What does it lead to? What are the outcomes of fellowship with others? This is an important key one. See what happens there? The fellowship is with God that he forgave you. And if he forgave you, now all of a sudden you've got your marching orders for other people. Let all bitterness and clamor and anger and slander and wrath be put away from you. Now, have you ever been tempted to be angry or bitter or clamor about people or slander people, talk about them behind their back? No, we we all have felt those things. he's saying our fellowship with with others now should lead to blessing them. Be kind, compassionate, tender-hearted. I love that word, right? Tender-hearted toward people. You You don't just draw out all the things. You don't just avoid. You don't just look at people in a certain way and just scoff or shake your head. At that moment, you remember that you were forgiven by Christ, and if you were forgiven by Christ, that changes everything about the way you deal with other people in fellowship. Here's a a little secret. God's going to call you into fellowship with people you don't like all that much, that bother you a little bit. I've, I've handled that poorly over the years. I've let differences kind of get in the way of fellowship and that person just talks a lot and it's a two-hour conversation every time I come to the lobby with them, right? And my kids go to the car and they're waiting in there for an hour. And then I attend their funeral and I think those conversations are vital in my life, in their life. That's where it all kind of comes to a head of like this fellowship is not just trite little S'mores campfire time, it's deeply impactful, even if it is over s'mores. So we'll just we'll stop the outcomes there. If you took a picture of that or if the slides can be put up, you guys can jump through those other verses in 1 Thessalonians and in the Gospel of John. So fellowship, what's the purpose of fellowship? This is my counselor why question, right? And I went to a, a weird place with it. I didn't go to one that says koinonia anywhere in this passage. I went to Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before him? Go ahead. The fact that Christ could now, um, or God could fellowship with us being Christians. Right, He he removed that wall of hostility now that was there because of sin. Now Jesus was looking at the joy, but the joy that he was looking forward to was the cross as the way that this was going to be accomplished. That's both beautiful and horrific all at the same time. The joy that was set before him, he fleshes out later on in verse 12. Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. This is poetic. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be may not be put out of joint but rather healed strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the lord see the relational aspect that's happening here i highlighted these ones Verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. That's taken the desire too far for something that was wrong. So the, the relational aspect, the fellowship aspect was, Everyone, no one, no one relationship, make sure you're connecting with people. That's fellowship. So, are you doing fellowship correctly? Now, my parentheses there was going to be a dramatic, you know, fade in kind of thing, right? <laughs> Avoid the temptation of that question. I know what it's like to be 20 something. I know what it's like to, to look and say, am I doing it right? Is this the correct way I'm supposed to do this, right? We have reviews on Amazon for this, right? We have, am I doing this right? We have YouTube videos. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Fellowship should not be something that you're concerned about doing right or wrong. It's connection. It's seeing people and waving and smiling, right? It's we connect, we respect, we love everyone. Isn't that the command? Love your neighbor. Who's that? Look around the room. Look around your home. Look around Walmart. Look around Meijer. Walmart's interesting. That's your neighbor. Seek to understand people. That takes some conversation, some back and forth. Do it here. Do it with friends. Do it camping. Laugh. Be interested. Be interesting. Right? Right? Share your feelings with people, guys. It's not just guys. It's everyone. Figure out how you think about things and help. Encourage everyone. Ask good questions. Enter their casket. That's a good word I stole from a teacher of mine. It says jump into the casket with people, meaning get into their crisis, their mess, their hardship with them, however you can. Encouragement, prayer, serve, feed, talk. That's fellowship. I don't think we need to make it more complex than it needs to be. God was just saying, I've made you relational people because I'm relational. So do that. Don't think about, am I doing it right? Some people get down on fellowship like, oh, it's just a social club thing. We didn't talk about anything important. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Even if it's the color of your shirt or your hairstyle. Or it's something that you're just like, oh, can we get to the deep stuff already? But that person may not be ready for the deep stuff. So you defer. And they may ask you at some point in time, hey, what do you think about this? And then you can jump in and say, oh, they asked me a good question. I can dump into the deep stuff now. Be patient with it. Be ready for it. God's in control of this. He's called you into fellowship with him so that you can be in fellowship with other people. All right, I've got a few minutes here for your thoughts on this, questions, discussion, argument. What do you got? Is there a right and wrong? Like, if I intentionally avoid situations to have fellowship with my fellow believers or others, it's not necessarily hating them, Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not loving them. Yeah. So, does that hold the same weight of how do you love someone that you've seen, or like how do you not love someone that you haven't seen? Versus like right. I mean, the the prohibition against hating somebody is is a stark warning, that God doesn't want that to be your heart. Now, I also understand that there are situations where where you're not going to feel compelled or you're not going to feel safe, you're not going to feel... do. De- so as a counselor, I, I look at things and I'm saying they're way more complex than I give them credit for sometimes. <clears throat> excuse me. And so I want to make sure that I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'm nuancing that so that you understand it's not give of yourself until you are depleted. God said you love yourself, and that's the model you use to love other people. But there's still this idea of, I have to make sure that I'm in a safe place. I'm not going to put myself in a, in a place where it could be detrimental to me or other people. That's a nuance to it. It doesn't mean that you hate somebody if you're, if you're saying, I'm going, to have, I'm going to maybe approach this person with some other people. Right? We're going to come as a group. That's, that's even if there's confrontation, and that is love. In Matthew 18, when it talks about the, the, the way of going to somebody who has caused an offense, you go to them and tell them their thought, their fault. This is a relational aspect. But if, but if it starts to get weird, this is my own translation of the Greek here, then you bring somebody else along with you. And then you in, expand the circle because this person needs that. There's even portions of of Scripture that talk about have nothing to do with that person or avoid them or don't even eat with them or don't assemble with them. These are very specific instances where Paul was drawing out a a circumstance and saying, "How how do you handle this one now? And the whole goal, the whole time, is to bring people back in, to welcome them back in, but under the way God has called us to do it. The way God has called us into fellowship is this one that fulfills, that gratifies, that is, brings on contentment. If there's somebody who is not willing to do that and they're sinning and they're hurting and they're harming people, then you get other people involved so that you can rebuke, which is a loving act, admonish, all with the motive and the goal to bring them back in. Now, the the beauty of that is that it's not up to you if they respond to that or not. If they repent, it's because God has laid that on their heart. So you don't have to be the one saying, if I don't do this right, if I don't say the right exact words the right way, they're not going to come to faith in Christ again or not come back into the body that's not a, You get faithful with your words to say, we'd love to have you back. Please consider what you're doing, and then let God do his work. Let the Spirit convict. So I don't know if that answers your question fully, but there are, there are going to be times when you're like, I don't feel good about going and talking to this person in fellowship and things like that. So maybe you, you grab a few more people, or you talk to the leadership of the church. Remember, we're a body, What happens if part of your body is not communicating with the rest of your body? What happens to it? If it's cut off, if you will, it doesn't have the strength that it has with the body. Actually, it dies off, physically speaking. So don't disconnect from the source that you have, the resource that you have that God has given you, which is the body of Christ, the people around you. If you have a question like that, go to people and say, hey, what do I do in this situation? That's why I do what I do because there's lots of questions that are hard to answer, and this book isn't as clear as I'd like it to be all the time. You know it's poetic, so I'm like, okay, I, I, I like poetry, but sometimes it doesn't get as specific as I want it to be. or Paul doesn't get as specific to this thing. How do I handle AI? Oh, Paul doesn't address that in here, right? I don 't mind AI. I think it's going to be a cool tool. but there principles there. We'll talk to people about it. That's, he's called you into fellowship. So, any others? We gotta. We gotta run. I'm over time. But yes. Um, yeah, I get patient. I do small talk as long as small talk, and then I pray continually for God to open a door, at least even a weird door, for me to say, oh, hey, we can talk about this now. I mean, when Brett was going through Ephesians, I said, hey, I've got a good zombie story for you, and he put zombies in his sermon, and it was awesome. Because I was like, hey, you know, in, in Ephesians 2, it says you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I'm like, what does that sound like? The Walking Dead, come on, it's zombieism right there. (laughs) But zombies, that whole storyline is because it's a reaction to what God has done. So I get patient with people until until there's a door that opens, and that's what happened with the zombie stuff, because I was working with these guys, and they would just talk about everything else until one day they said, hey, we make zombie movies. I'm like, oh, okay. There's zombies in the Bible, did you know that? And they're like, where? I'm like, go find it so the next day they come in with bibles They we found this and this and this i got them into the word and now we're having some deep conversations but that was you know four months of other stuff before we got there it was just relational discipleship of me trying to enter into their world and if they're not ready to go there i just get patient i say okay we'll just wait we'll just talk about this stuff until other things happen and then eventually sometimes they'll come to you and say oh I've got a question or I've got a problem, I've got a crisis. Something kicks in in their life because it will, and then you may have that deep conversation. If it never gets there, I pray that they will get there with somebody else then too. But I get patient. We've got time. God controls that. So, okay, let me pray for us and we'll be done. Father, thank you for your fellowship with us. We can do nothing without you. You love, we love because you first loved us. You welcomed us in. You called us, you invited us, and we praise you for that, and we thank you for that, and we ask for your help to then fellowship with other people in the way that you have called us to do it in individual circumstances and collectively as a body. Thank you for this day, and we pray that you be glorified through all of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.